0: This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com.
1: What I've noticed in this is how different people's palates are, and there is no right answer in coffee. You, I, I am a firm believer in you should you should enjoy that cup every day. goddammit.
0: Welcome to The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. I am your host, Cap Times food editor, Lindsay Christians. My caffeinated life started in high school when I was a drinker of mochas. Freshman year of college, I gave up chocolate for Lent and switched to vanilla lattes. And then came cold brew. Thanks to the revelation that is the 12 hour toddy system, I now take my coffee black and cold every morning. Four years ago, the very same love of smooth cold-brewed coffee led Jen Roth and Roy LaValle to found Cadence Cold Brew here in Madison. Jen came by the studio this week to talk about the cold-brew boom, the difference nitrogen makes, and a brand new line of cold coffees coming soon. Just a quick note, we had a little trouble with our audio this week. Thanks so much for bearing with us. Grab your coffee of choice and give a listen. Welcome, Jen. Can you introduce yourself really quick for folks?
1: Yes, my name is Jennifer Roth, Jen, pretty much. Um, my husband, Roy LaValley and I started cold, Cadence Cold Brew Coffee on the east side of Madison. We are just finishing up our fourth year. We have a little brewery, um, we do manufacturing. So we make cold brew coffee, we put it into kegs, into cans, and we sell it at co-ops, grocery stores, restaurants, cafes you know, in the Midwest and now slowly moving up. I remember when Cadence first came out, I think I got
0: it in a growler from Rosie's over in Monona. And I wonder, when you first started, you just were available, like, by the keg.
1: There was a good story there. Yeah. So pretty much Roy and I fell in love with cold brew. And to get into the keg thing, um, we fell in love with cold brew. We didn't see what we wanted to drink out in the market. So we kind of crossed our fingers and said, "Let's try this. Let's try to make Cobra on a bigger scale. Let's let's put it out there." And um, we, the real only way we could do that is through kegs because we didn't have the money for a canning line. When we started, you know, there, there was lots of inefficiencies. We started with kegs just to see if it was a rational, you know, idea that people would that people would want. One of our first real tellers of that was um, Epic. we met with them very early on and they were like, this is fantastic. And we had a bunch of like like meeting points where companies or businesses were trying to get cleaner, healthier products for their employees. So one of them was Epic Systems. It was like we came in as they were trying this initiative of like, hey, we're going to take soda out we're gonna try and have healthier options for our employees. And so we were a natural fit because our cold brew has no additives in it. No sugar, no dairy, you know, it's just very clean, cold brewed, smooth. Um, So they were a yes. And also UW Health. So there um, was Ellen and Lisa that were trying the same initiative at UW Health at the hospital. You know, they kind of said, why do we have a cafeteria serving pizza and french fries when we're supposed to be? You know, why is salad the most expensive thing here? They were moving towards that just as we were, you know, coming in too. So we got lucky to have those two um, those two groups sort of say, hey, we're going to try this. And, re- and you know, with that, with that and those initiatives, we were able to tell, you know, that we um, had something. We were able to tell that, you know, a canning line was in order. We were there for a year, then we made the big investment on a canning line.
0: I noticed, so recently Madison Sourdough switched from the kegs to the cans. And I was asking about that because part of the reason I like to go there is because they got the, it's nitro, right? You know? And uh, they said, well, it was just going so fast.
1: They've been a great supporter of us, Molly and uh, the whole crew there. Aaron, love them.
0: I wrote about um, cold brew and nitro uh, kind of earlier on. And when one of the things I remember thinking about, like, what makes it special, is nitrogen makes it so smooth. It like smooths out the textures. And I went from being a latte drinker to just doing cold brew and nitro cold brew because with with a lighter roast and with the nitrogen, it's like smooth and it tastes sweeter even though there's no sugar in it. And I am now able to like drink completely black coffee basically without adding anything to it. But the acid's not as high. It doesn't bug my stomach in the same way. It's not as sort of harsh and bitter and acidic as I found other coffees to be.
1: I hear stories all the time about nitro. So nitrogen has two effects and um, from the production side for us. um, Nitrogen, when you, like in our nitro cans or nitro keg, what it does is it creates a space where we can get all the oxygen out. Oxygen depletes coffee almost immediately. It's starting to work on your coffee, making it sour. That's why toddy coffee in the fridge is kind of gross after four or five days. That's why when you brew a pot of coffee and leave it sit there, it gets gross. So nitrogen um, just allows us to get that off. So from the production side, it creates sort of like a preservative of the coffee without using any kind of preservative. Um, I tell people that our cans or our kegs are like little time capsules. We do tastings constantly. We're constantly testing our coffee, seeing how it, it does over time. Um, and we recently had a year, like year test on a coffee versus just brewed, and all five of us could not tell the difference. I mean, it was, to me, that's that's partly nitrogen. And on the other side, you get that effect, that, that texture, that that creamy texture without cream.
0: So what kind of coffee Do you use, like, which which roaster do you work with, and has that changed?
1: We only have worked with JBC Roasters, and actually they're right next to us. Um, When we got started, um, our vision was very singular. It's how do we make cold brew coffee? Like, we didn't, you know, people ask us all the time, do you have a coffee shop, do you have a frontage, and we're like, No, we really just wanted to make this coffee that we fell in love with. So we looked at roasters and, you know, Wisconsin is blessed with lots of great roasters. So, um, But we just really hit it off with Michael um, and Laura. They're both wonderful people. Michael is passionate about what he does. You know, you hear about um, where he came from. He started roasting you know, in a popcorn popper in the basement of Lane's. Like, and to see him now going to like cuppings where he's just trying out this season's geishas. So he is um, just passionate about what he does and, and uh, he wants to share that with others. And he did with us and um, our coffee is better, is, is as good as it is very much because of him.
0: I use JBC when I'm making toddy at home, like, and it's just the thing about those lighter roasts is there's so many flavors that come through, and it's really different than like a Starbucks cold brew. Um, It's lighter. I've seen it compared, um, the lighter roast compared more to tea, Mm -hmm. that they have more flavors like tea does, whereas like a darker roast uh, is gonna have, you know more of those like roasty toasty and some people really love that and that's not a bad thing i tend to go toward those tea flavors um and i wonder so you have uh, some single origins you have some blends tell me a little bit about the r&d for putting those together the r&d was working
1: with like what cold oh, cold brews best like what tastes good Roy was really a big part of like looking at, you know, different kinds of coffees, different roasts. You know, what's different than what we're seeing out there? What tastes good? What is somebody going to be drawn to? Um, you know, we looked in the beginning like nobody's doing a Sumatran, and let's look at that. And, well, those are really, you know, vibrant flavors. Um, but when we when we did that single origin Ethiopian and we cold brew that, it just kind of rocked our world. We're like this beautiful experience in this can. You know, it just blew us away. You know, it was honestly not a lot of, like, market research. It was just us sitting there saying, you know, and working with Michael and like, how does this taste? You know, where, where, where are we going with this? We didn't know. We just went by, you know, and I think that comes through when you're like, this is good We want to bring this to the world. That's kind of what, um, how those came about. The South American blends, to your point, that is very true. What I've noticed in this is how different people's palates are, and there is no right answer in coffee. You, I, I am a firm believer in you should you should enjoy that cup every day, goddamn it. You know, Roy and I were at a point where we were trying to go to black coffee. We weren't enjoying our coffee every day. Cold proof provided that for us, you know. But if you want to add a little sugar, go ahead. If you want to add a little cream. You know, do it the way you want to, but people's palates are so different. So the South American, a lot of people cannot stand that citrus note of a single origin. The Ethiopians, you know, it has that citrus, caramel fruit notes. Some people, they, they, their palates just don't don't agree with that. They want that roasty taste. So we found our, our our ones that really speak to people are kind of the single origin Ethiopian and that South American.
0: I wonder, so you have, um, you did some cold brew teas and then now you've got your CBD cold brew. So can you tell me a little bit about how those things kind of came about?
1: So the teas, we started with the teas, I think last year, you know, we really kind of wanted to bring that idea of let's do this better than what we're seeing. Tea we found to be on the market, just didn't taste like tea. It was kind of like a hint of tea with water. Um, You know, it, it just didn't taste any like, Vibrant. Um, But what we found, so we went in with three different teas, no sugar, no additives, very flavorful. I mean, we had a hibiscus with lavender in it. We had a black mango that was more mainstream, and then an Earl Grey, which was very uh, bergamot y and beautiful. Again, we went with our gut. We may have been a little off. Anyways, we tried it out, and, you know, we had a lot of people that, Right away, we're like, "Oh, this is really delicious." I'm looking for tea without sugar in it. You know, a lot of people are moving and really trying hard to do better in that department. There's not a lot out there, Um, but we were going up against. So we were around two, two fifty a can. We were going up against these teas, ten for ten dollars. It just and and I do think people have the perception that tea is a cheaper beverage. We made the choice to let it go.
0: You, you did the CBD starting when?
1: So we just, um, we've been looking at CBD God for a year. So we started working on that and really like looking intently on, you know, how to, how to do that. Um, how to, uh, what we were going to do with that, what we wanted to do with it.
0: So per can, how much CBD is in it?
1: So we use 10 milligrams and so we were deciding do we want to be somebody's daily dose and we decided we really wanted to create a CBD coffee experience. We're not anybody's daily you know intake of CBD. We wanted to see how it interacted with the coffee and provide that, and we found that 10 milligrams for us of our CBD that we use was just perfect to sort of round out the edges of the caffeine. It's much more focused. I put it every day in my coffee smoothie, um, and I, I really like the effect. And that's kind of where our our position on that. You know, we did not want to make any health claims or tell people what they. But for us, that was just a perfect balance. I don't have to come down at all for my coffee. I kind of, uh, you know, have my coffee and I just I feel like I can go straight to work. It's just much more focused. You
0: said um, coffee smoothie. Do you use Cadence Cold Brew as an ingredient
1: yeah. in other things? <laughs> and what? Oh, that's a really good question. You know, I am a little bit of a purist with coffee. I think there's a lot of weird stuff that, you know, I love coffee. I think it's hard to improve on. And there's been a lot of people doing coffee sodas. And um, my coffee smoothie has spinach and carrots and broccoli. Yeah, it sounds gross, right? Flaxseed, hemp hearts, frozen berries of some kind, frozen banana. And I get my yum butter and throw it in there. It's delicious. Um, oh, cinnamon, cinnamon's a big one.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. So, th- the thing that was so exciting for me last summer, I think I like texted you about it because I saw Cadence Cold Brew in Talmadge or, yeah, like middle of nowhere Ohio. No offense, Ohio. I love you. And I was like on vacation We're not even vacation. I was on a family trip and I saw Cadence and I almost cried because I was so happy to see like a little piece of home but also like good coffee in a place where I had not yet found any. And so I want to just ask you about this expansion that you're doing into places like middle
1: of nowhere Ohio that need you. It was really. It's been really important for us to expand. You know, we wish we could stay local, and but it's just we we do need to expand, especially into warmer climates, warmer places. Um, so, yeah, we've kind of made it from. We started with really uh, Minnesota cities: Chicago, Milwaukee, Madison. That was our first, and then we kind of went out, and we're in Omaha, Kansas City, St. Louis. You know, Ohio and Detroit. That was kind of our second ring. And now we um, are in Denver. Also, H-E-B in Texas. Austin, Houston, and San Antonio. Um, so that was big. And then we're just starting a big, a big move out east. So New York. And we're at the point where sometimes we don't know where it's landing because it's going through, you know, people can order it through their distributor. So when we get messages like that, like, I was in Ohio and I saw you here. That is just like... <laughs> so lovely.
0: I wonder, do you have to work with a bunch of different distributors then, like a distributor network? Or are you able to like sign with like one or two that covers a bunch? Like, how does it work?
1: So it's different because they all go different places. They handle different business. Um, we've been lucky to have some amazing partners in all levels of distribution. You know, we have local um, local distributors like Elegant Foods, you know, that that's a great one for us. And then, you know, our co-op, Um, There's one up in the cities called CPW, they've been amazing partners to us, Um, Fortune Fish. They carry our coffee to all the Whole Foods in the Midwest and they've been an amazing partner and really their service and how they provide their service has made such a difference um, in getting our coffee, you know, from Detroit all the way to uh, Omaha with Whole Foods. And then we have to use bigger distributors too, like UNFI is a big, big one for groups to get into um, just because of their coverage. They're covering from California to New York City to Florida, everywhere. So, you know, yeah, there's different distribution, you know, and that has been the cost of that. We've learned so much about that. There's a whole lot of elements that, you know, you learn along the way and how to, you know, it's been a journey.
0: Well, particularly because you're talking about a different kind of relationship. Like if you are selling a keg to Rosie's, um, you know, how much of those dollars are you getting back versus if you're going to sign with, you know, a a major distributor that's going to put you into Denver. Well, you're probably getting less cents on the can or or whatever like than you would because it's about quantity then.
1: That's definitely true. And the, the thing that I've noticed is that, and we're, now we're in a new realm, is that I can't have that personal contact. That's been a challenge. So, you know, here in Madison, I go to a Willie Street and do a demo and tell everybody, hey, I'm from Madison, I make this on the east side. You know, I have somebody who wants to buy into that, who wants to support their local business, you know. In Austin, I just can't have that personal contact, and we've so relied—I mean, when you don't have Pepsi's marketing budget, you use that, you know, you use your personal connections. You go and see these people, and I, I have done so much traveling to go and share what we're trying to do and explain, you know, what, where we're going with it. and. Um, So this is a whole new realm. And, you know, to be honest, we're learning as we're going, you know, how to reach those people, how to get them to pick up our can, how to get them to say, you know, wow, I, you know, this is something I want to add to my grocery cart every week.
0: Have there been specific challenges with, I know that as an artisan product scales up. There's often discussions of like, do we want to use a co-packer, like send our Bloody Mary mix out to this company whose job it is to assemble that Bloody Mary mix, bottle it, package it, label it, and then send it out. Like many you know food products like this go through that process or think about how to do that. And what have the challenges been for you in terms of scaling up?
1: that is a great question because there's benefits both ways really we knew roy was coming out of the food business or you know food industry um so we knew scalability was really important let's say you start your business and a big customer comes and says hey we want to order from you we'll take a truckload and you say hey can you wait six months to a year while I get those stainless steel you know, equipment and refit my, you know, so we knew we didn't want to run into that. So we started Cadence with the idea of how can we make sure that we're able to handle that kind of um, business and that we're already in a position to scale. But, you know, starting out, you don't have that kind of business. So, you know, it's sort of like we made an investment in something we didn't need right away. So, you know, there's an advantage to using a co-packer, I think, because, you know, those regulate. Like we've had to have tons like food safety is very important, um, you know, and many customers demand that you really have lots of measures in place to make sure that they what you're giving them is not going to hurt their customer, which I agree with. I love that.
0: So tell me about where it's four years in. Um, you just spent a pretty exciting weekend. So talk about where Cadence is now and where you're
1: going. Yes. So Cadence is kind of at a point where, um, you know, we're four years in. We, you know, need to have that expansion. We definitely need to grow. Um, we are personally funded, you know, where we own our company. Um, we need to expand um, and really use our scalability, use our plant, um, so we just had an exciting weekend here in Madison. We were offered a test at Costco in Middleton. Costco is an amazing company. Like we've, we've, uh, you know, we've been in talks with them for some time for, you know, they require a lot of different levels to make sure that their customers are getting quality products. Like I shop at Costco um, and I definitely have more appreciation for what they do and also, the, you know, their margins, they are, very transparent in what, you know, how much everybody is paying and what they, um, they're just, there's a lot of levels of awesome stuff. So right now we are very much um, have an excellent, um, just, we have a core group in the Chicago market with Whole Foods, definitely in Madison, where my heart is, Milwaukee, the Twin Cities with co-ops. And now we kind of have gone into Denver we have are in Safeway and Natural Grocers in Denver. We've um, landed a, an amazing chain in Texas called H-E-B. And um, that's in Austin, Houston, and San Antonio. We're headed out east with um, a, du- a couple different um, distribution areas. And then Costco happened this weekend. So we got a test. They offer you a test. They say, oh, you think you can sell at Costco? Please show us. <laughs> Here's four days do what you can and so um we were here in Middleton you know the Tuesday before I'm like Roy we're going to need some help because our best shot at this is if we can show them we can really sell and Costco doesn't order a case or pallet Costco orders truckloads, (laughs) and so it's a big deal for us. Um, So I put out a message on Facebook, private, you know, because you can't say, come to Costco on your own pages, you know, but personally, I can ask my friends and family to come. So anyways, I just put out a message, and I said, hey, you know what, if you like us, we like our coffee but a little bit, we could really use your help. Beck, I have six hundred six packs to sell, and I'd really like to sell them out this weekend. And this whole weekend in Madison, you know, we had and and immediately it got shared and like hundred wide. I mean, it, we covered all of Madison and Middleton, and you know, immediately people were like, I'll come, I'll come. Um, but what was amazing is that And to see that kind of support come through and, you know, to have every seventh person with a big smile on their face coming across the, you know, Costco saying, hey, I I heard what you're doing. I, you know, I saw it on my friend's page. Let me try this cold brew. How can I help? is overwhelming to me. And Roy, too, like we were just blown away by that. And we ended up selling out.
0: When do you find out if they...
1: I mean, uh, to be honest, there's no guarantee. They, you know, there's no guarantee. It was an opportunity, but um, I don't know. I cannot wait. I mean, I really hope, and I legitimately think that we could be very successful at Costco. That customers looking for clean things, organic things, you know, um, just uh, I think that we have a real shot.
0: So the, the product line, as it stands now, is mm-hmm. the the beautiful, like the single origin cold brew from Ethiopia you've got a lovely like south american blend um, you have the cbd coffees is there anything else coming down the
1: yes, pipe it's very exciting actually you're probably the first one to hear about this besides uh, you know what we've been working on but um, it, we have heard from our customers that you know when we went into this we really felt everybody would be wanting this black you know pure coffee and what we've heard along the lines is You know, people don't want a sugar bomb. They don't want that frappuccino, but they would like something with a little sweetness. So we've decided and we've done our research and development on a product that does that better than what's out there. So um, we wanted to make a line that has a lightly sweetened or lightly flavored or, you know, so we've come up with a line that's sort of going to hit that market because it's definitely out there. So we're working on um, just lightly sweetened coffees. They still won't have any dairy, just because that's a whole, you know, um, but it will be non-dairy, sweetened, lightly flavored coffee.
0: Where can people find Cadence in Madison, sort of both online and in
1: the world? So people can find us online at cadenceculture.com, also on Instagram and Facebook. Um, You can find us in groceries across the Midwest.
0: Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you so
1: much for having me. on,
0: This has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Our music was composed by Patrick Christians. We get podcasting help from Eric Lawrenson. You can follow us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. If you like The Corner Table, check out our other podcasts. On Wedge Issues, Cap Time's opinion editor, Jesse Opoyan, dives into state government from policy ideas to lawmakers' favorite beer. That's every Friday at 10 a.m. Then follow along with Eric and Abby as they explore the ins and outs of city politics and policy on the Mad Splainers podcast. Every other week, wherever you get your podcasts. My wish for you this week is watermelon salad with feta and mint. My favorite summer salad. Cheers!